0: But anywho, welcome everybody to the eight. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, Let me just share a few things about myself. So yeah, don't laugh. This uh, this is true. So if 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 you ask me, am I kind? I would say yeah, I'm kind, and I would think of a scenario or something recently that showed that I was kind. If you ask, you know, if if I if you ask me, am I patient? I would say, yeah, and I would think of that time that I really pushed myself to be patient and I didn't snap on my daughter or I did, you know, I held myself back and I would remember that one scenario that shows that I was patient. If you ask me, am I sacrificially loving? I would say, yeah, totally, and I would think of different scenarios that shows how much I am not just loving but to a sacrificial level. If you ask me, am I grateful? I would say, yeah, I'm totally grateful. So here are some virtues that if you ask me, Do do these virtues apply to me? I would say 100%. And I think if you asked yourself, you would say yes as well. Because in your own eyes to yourself, you and I might look at ourselves of, "Yeah, yeah, I am kind, I am patient, I am sacrificial, loving, I am grateful, right? Because you would think of that one specific scenario in which you were. But imagine, actually not imagine, I'll give you a real life example. I tell my daughter Ruth, she's six years old. You know, you're, you don't appreciate anything. Well, you, see how much, you see how much toys you have in your, in your playroom and you still want this or whatever? You're, you're ungrateful. What is her response? You're right, daddy. No. What do you mean? I'm always grateful, daddy, why you say that? She's always going to think of that one time that she did say thank you, that one time that she is appreciative. So anytime someone gets back at you and me of like, well, you are disrespectful or you, you don't spend quality time with me, Right. What's your natural response? What do you mean I don't spend quality time with you? I just took you out, you know, two and a half years ago. We went to McDonald's that that, that night. You know, right? Your mind naturally goes into that scenario, right? So it's not like it's not it's not like you 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 humbly say, Yeah, you're right your mind has been wired to think of that specific moment, that specific time in which you were kind, generous, loving, patient, grateful, you name it. So those virtues, we apply to ourselves because we have this subconscious point system. Yeah, I am kind. That one time I did that thing for that person, I'm totally kind, you know? So we all think of that, spe- that one specific moment. But it's a nasty word when someone tells us, you know what, you're not kind. Well, I know we don't talk like that, but uh, let me apply it to a parent, to a child, right? The, a child becomes extremely defensive. What do you mean? I am grateful. I am appreciative, right? We do the same. For so it's not a kid thing. It's a human thing that we naturally become defensive if someone attacks us. But isn't it true that it is so easy to see the flaws in someone else than in besides ourselves? Like, it's so easy to see it in someone else. But it is so hard to see it within ourselves, right? We can point it out in someone else. You could probably list you could, you could probably put four bullet points of someone who's not kind, someone who's not patient, someone who's not sacrificially loving, someone who's not grateful, right? You can think of certain people and you just point to them. But for yourself, no, you're totally loving, you're totally grateful, you're you live a, a very appreciative life, especially a week like this. You're very, very, very grateful, right? So it's so hard to see within ourselves, but it's so easy to point it out in others. I want to share with you a passage from the gospel according to St. Luke. But before you kind of say, oh, we're going into the Bible, I want to take a step back and look at this historically speaking. So, St. Luke was um, a physician, but also on the side, he was an artist. So, this is why in many icons you see of him, uh, this is an icon of the Coptic, from Coptic. Iconography, uh, and you see here Saint Luke. He's holding two things. He's holding a pen, and he's holding um, what's the what's the feather thing? Does it have a name? The feather thing where you draw. Does it have a name? Huh? Or oh, whatever. You're saying in Arabic, I don't know Arabic. So I don't know what in English or Arabic. doesn't matter. But you know what I mean. So he has like a pen to draw with and he has the feather thing to write with, right? So the, 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 the iconographer is wanting to display those aspects of who St. Luke the physician is. And on his other hand, he's holding two things. An icon of St. Mary that he is drawing or he's writing this icon. And he's also holding a book, which is, in essence, two volumes. So St. Luke, as a physician... His style as a doctor is to be very thorough, very detail oriented, and I'm sure as a doctor as well, he probably had very poor handwriting. But he also wrote two—he wrote two volumes. He wrote the Gospel according to Saint Luke, and he also wrote the Book of Acts. But you can look at it as like Volume One and Volume Two when you look at his writing style of what Saint Luke did. It even actually, we'll do this in the liturgical life of the church which is our main service at St. Mark Church of the Divine Liturgy, we're about to, in a couple weeks, go through chapter 1 and chapter 2 of St. Luke's record. And he says, he opens up his gospel saying, I did comprehensive research, and I investigated thoroughly everything that I'm about to share about the life of Jesus. So St. Luke, we know historically speaking, did comprehensive research in interviewing a wide array of people in order to get all the details of the birth of Jesus. This is where we get majority of the records of Jesus's birth. And just looking at the life of Jesus, St. Luke did his extensive research, and this is where we get the gospel according to St. Luke. What I want to share with you is a very unique dialogue and encounter between Jesus and some people who were, for honest, just wanting something out of Jesus, right? Which sometimes in our own weakness, we do that, right? We come to church, we want something from God. We come to church because I want that one specific thing from God. So we can kind of relate, but here we go in the 17th chapter. Now it happened, as Jesus, he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So in typical St. Luke, the physician format, giving all the details geographically here, right? So he was going in the midst of uh, Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. So leprosy is a skin disease that is highly contagious. Thank God there's a cure for it now, so it's not an issue now. But historically speaking, in the first century, yes, it is still medically speaking a contagious skin disease, but culturally speaking, you were unclean like whoever had leprosy you were kind of pushing this corner all respect to you guys you were be pushing a corner here by yourself and nobody else wanted to and nobody else wanted to talk to you you were kind of just isolated by yourself for those who have leprosy people kind of just you know looked at you and and all people who had leprosy all the lepers always lived together and they're always by themselves because of their skin disease so ceremonially they're unclean spiritually they're unclean medically they're unclean so this is the cultural lens of how people viewed people who have leprosy, lepers. So this is why they usually stuck together, right? So the 10 men come who have leprosy, they came to Jesus and they lifted up their voice and said, right, they lifted up their voice because they can't come that close to Jesus because they're contagious, they're they're lepers. So they said from afar, they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on me. So right from the get-go, we see that they have reverence for Jesus. Like they're coming and calling him master, calling him Lord. So they, they understand where they are and they know they have an idea of where Jesus is. So they're coming with a posture of humility. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, go, go show yourselves to the priests. It's kind of awkward, right? Have mercy on me. Jesus says, go to the priest, right? So we feel like something is missing. So culturally speaking as well and historically speaking, when someone has leprosy, and if they are cured from leprosy, their first step to get back into society is that they need to go to the priests in order for the priest to kind of give them the green light, you're good to go, you can like, you know, mingle, Get you know, you're connected back into society. So that's their first step in order to get connected. So here is Jesus is telling them, they come and say, uh, have mercy on us. Jesus says, go to the priests, okay? And so it was, that as they went, they obeyed, all 10 of them, they all went. they were probably like, okay, I mean, what about us being cured? Anyway, they went. So, as it so, and so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Their obedience to Jesus' words without knowing the outcome ended up being their remedy. Their obedience to Jesus without necessarily knowing the outcome was the remedy to their healing. Jesus said, go. Did they still have questions? 100%. Did they have doubts? I'm sure. But they put their faith in action. They put their trust in action. And they went. They said from afar, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus says, cool, go to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And here's the whole part of today. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, that one person returned and with a loud voice glorified god and did a prostration fell down on his feet on his face at his feet giving him thanks and of course saint luke adds the detail and he was a samaritan how many people were cleansed 10 how many went out of their way to express gratitude back to Jesus, one, And he came, and he was like, thank you, Jesus. No, he did a universal expression of honor and reverence, which is a prostration, which still exists today in ancient Christianity and other expressions of Christianity as well, is that I come and honor God by putting down my pride, my logic, and I go down as a way of showing honor and respect to God. This is why a prostration is a common expression of worship in ancient Christianity, in orthodoxy. So one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and he fell down. So he, he's, he's glorifying God physically, right? He's glorifying God physically and he give, giving thanks to him. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Jesus asked the question, we're all thinking, wait, wasn't there 10 of you? Were there not 10 cleansed? Jesus asked, where are the other nine? Were there not any found who return to give glory to God except this person, this Samaritan, this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, arise, go your way. Your trust that you obeyed me telling you to go and your trust in coming back to express that gratitude, your faith has made you well. So this person, of that group who was healed came to express gratitude back to God. And this is what brought healing and transformation to this person's life. So again, Jesus in the beginning told him, go. You had tons of questions, but still go. He was healed. And he comes to glorify God, and God tells him again, go. Your faith has made you well. Don't raise your hand, but are you grateful? You're grateful. Are you appreciative? Yeah. You you, you 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 thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Right? You you thank God. You thank God. You're grateful. You're grateful. But how many times do we express that in a full, real, authentic way? Because you know this, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates in gratitude. Are you grateful 100%? But again, don't, don't look to the left or right of you or whatever, but do you share that gratitude with that person? No, not just thanks. But do, do, you, do you, like, just as this person, he didn't come to God and say, thanks, you're the man. No, he, he glorified God. He put it into physical action and he gave thanks to God. So St. Luke records the detail that he glorified God, he fell down and did a prostration, and he, and, he, and he gave thanks. For us, in our expression of gratitude, are we full in the way that we express it? Or, 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 or do we just have it in our heart? Because I know you're grateful. I know you're grateful. But unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And something I, I tell the volunteers of the church, that no communication is miscommunication. Like as volunteers in the church. If we do not have communication together in our service and leadership in the church, if there's no communication, it's going to express miscommunication. So there has to be, and don't apply this just in ministry, in every aspect of life, right? In in marriage, if it's just a roommate style and, you know, we got to take the kids and bills and we we need to go and we're late and what about next Thursday? And we're just kind of always on the go. When there's no communication about intimacy or personal life, it's going to communicate miscommunication. So no communication is expressing miscommunication. In, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It's in your heart. I know you're, gra- you're grateful. All right, if I ask my six-year-old daughter, are you grateful? Yeah, daddy, of course I'm grateful. But you don't, you don't act like it. You never express it. So unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. But the flip side of all that, expressed gratitude completes the loop. Expressed gratitude completes the loop. Imagine, um, not imagine. I know this happens at like kids' birthday parties, right? So I, I go with my daughter, uh, and you know we, we go to a birthday party, and and you know she brings the gift and whatever, and the birthday boy, and he gets the birthday gift or whatever, and the mom, the mom of the kid, the birthday kid, you know Ruth gives him the present, and you know, and then the mom tells Billy, let's call him Billy, Billy, what do you say, right? Where isn't every parent do that, you know? Come on, Billy. What do you say, Ruth? Just give you a present. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Right. Right. So wh- wh- it's incomplete. So Ruth is coming to bring a gift, but what completes the loop is for the person, the recipient, to express gratitude. Is the kid grateful for the Nerf gun or whatever he gets? Is he grateful? Yeah, he's grateful. But unexpressed gratitude is communicating ingratitude. So the, the mom has to push his child, push the ch- the child. You know what do you say? What do you say, right? Parents, we do that all the time with our kids. <laughs> imagine too. Imagine because I know this doesn't happen, right? In Chick Fil A, imagine you made an order, and after you place the order at Chick Fil A, uh, by the way, no Chick Fil A until next year, right? So, so you go to Chick Fil A and you order and uh, and uh, you know you, and you you pay whatever and and uh, you say thank you, and that person goes. you wouldn't go to that Chick-fil-A ever again, right? What completes the loop is them saying, my pleasure, my pleasure. So, right, they, they don't say you're welcome, right? That's a trademark for them, that's a staple for them because that's how they complete the loop. It becomes something personal. You appreciated them saying my pleasure, right? So it completes the loop. But for us, again, I know I sound like a broken record. You are grateful, but do you express this in a full way? Like there's a difference between me saying, thank you to, let's take Sarah, right? If I take my wife. I say, thank you. I say, you know what? I say, thank you for being my biggest supporter through ministry. There's a difference. There's a difference between me saying thank you. There's a difference in thank you for being my rock through everything. There's a difference. So even in the way we articulate ourselves, you're grateful, but do you express it in a full, robust way that's from the heart? Or is it just Thanks. It completes the loop. This is why the church for 2,000 years, specifically the Coptic Orthodox Church, puts in front of us, in the center of every type of communal and personal prayer that exists in the Coptic Orthodox Church, is the centerpiece of a prayer, which is universal in tons of different languages and has been prayed personally and, and, and communally for, 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 for almost 2,000 years in the Coptic Orthodox Church. And it is the prayer of thanksgiving. The prayer of thanksgiving. No funeral, no wedding, no Egbeya prayer, no type of service exists without us praying the prayer of thanksgiving. And I know sometimes for those who have heard of this prayer or read this prayer before, sometimes we kind of go on autopilot. Let us give thanks to the benefits of merciful God. The huh? Okay, so if we can for a second, just for the next five minutes, let's digest for a second. The richness of the text the church has given us for centuries when we are giving thanks to God. Because again, I know you're grateful, but I want us to see the richness that the text the church gives us to aid us in expressing gratitude. Let us, again, so again, here we go from the beginning. We're relational beings, so it is is communal. Let us give thanks to the beneficent and merciful God. Beneficent, meaning he's always doing what benefits us. But if we're honest with ourselves, there's times where it feels like it's what God is doing in our lives is not beneficial. Like you question why God has permitted XYZ to happen. And you question, is this beneficial to me or not? Because you and I have our own definition of what's beneficial. We have our own definition of what is beneficial. And then we project that to God and we expect God to do the same to us as far as what's, what's beneficial to us. Think about this. At the death of a parent, a child, or a baby, we pray, let us give thanks to the beneficent and merciful God. How on earth is the context of that funeral? We're saying God is beneficent or God is merciful. We have our own definition of these terms. But And we then we project this to God. But God, who knows us better than we know ourselves, is the benefactor, is the beneficent one to do what's best for us even though we do not understand. Parents, you do what's best for your children even though your kids hate your guts on what you're trying to do for them. But you know because you are the beneficent one to do what's best for them. For us to call God merciful as well, we acknowledge we don't have our life altogether, that I do make mistakes. So we're asking God to extend his grace, to extend his mercy. So let us give thanks to the beneficent and merciful God. Who is God? Because everyone has their own definition of God. You have coworkers who say they believe in God, but then you look at their actions and you question what type of God is that, right? So the the beautiful thing of Christianity is God is not just some fluff in in the sky, not some old man with a white beard sitting on some clouds, no. God is a reality, and we describe who God is. He is the Father of our Lord. He is God and Savior, and his name is Jesus the Christ. For he has covered us. He has helped us. He has guarded us. And he has accepted us to himself. And I want to highlight two things. He has covered us. If our biggest regrets in life, either from our childhood or now, whatever. Our biggest sins and struggles and weakness. There are times where our weakness is covered. Imagine the deepest, darkest sin or struggle in which you and I have, and that is exposed to everyone here. Thank God that's not the case, right? Some of you, your heart is racing. Thank God that's not the case. But sometimes God covers us even in our weakness and struggles and sins God covers us for us not to deal with all the consequences of our poor decisions but God is there to cover us and then and and we add elaboration you have accepted us regardless of how you you might view yourself and regardless of how you might feel you are distant from God he is not distant from you That he is always there to accept you, regardless of how you might view yourself. And I love telling people, when I sit with them one-on-one, I wish that you can see yourself in the same way God sees you. I wish that you can see yourself in the same way God sees you. He has accepted you. And there's nothing you can do that can change that in either direction. He has accepted you. He has spared us. He has supported us. And I love this part. He has brought us to this hour. Because our mind, you're already thinking about what you're doing this week. You're already thinking about where you're going to eat after this. You're already thinking about this issue that's happening next week or in two months. You're already thinking about all that, right? But the church is putting in front of us, Lord, you have accepted us. You have, us. You have brought me right now. My mind is going everywhere. You have brought me to this hour. So, the church is basically saying, pause, chill, freeze. Let's kind of slow this down. Let us be in the presence of God right now. He is the beneficent. He is the merciful. He has covered us. He has accepted me. He has brought me right now to this hour. Next hour, that, that, that's not my department. That's in God's control. Yeah, I, I need to be wise. I need to take steps. But He's the manager, but He has brought me now to this hour. He's my Father. Uh, I, tomorrow what happens next week that issue what the, the what ifs uh, the, that uh, right now he brought me to this hour it is so hard isn't it easier said than done to be present right now but sometimes we're focused you are, you, you and i might be talking but we feel a vibration we hear a ring we got to go we, there's something else we have to move on the church is encouraging us to be present in the moment don't worry, I'm not going through the whole prayer. I'm just going to highlight different parts here. O Master, Lord, God, the pantocrator That's a Greek word meaning the one who has everything in his hand, the Almighty. That's the word Pantocrator. We use the Greek word because it is so full and it's so rich, there's no direct English equivalent. So this is why we use certain Greek words because it's so rich, right? So O Master, Lord, God, the Almighty, the Father of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, see, the church is having even a hard time finding Comprehensive language. We thank you for everything, concerning everything, and in everything. So sometimes, when we, you and are you grateful, one hundred percent. But it's hard to maybe to even articulate what we're grateful for. So the church says, you know what? I am grateful. Some translations say condition. I'm, th- we thank you for th- every condition, this condition, every condition. And concerning every condition. Uh, Just in case I forgot anything, we're just going to save everything. So we just make it, it, we'll we'll go full all the way around. For us, the church is wanting to give us rich text to help us. Because when we pray by ourselves, come on. What what do we say sometimes? Thank you, God, for the turkey this week. And, you know, I pray everyone goes back home safely. Right? Sometimes we have a hard time knowing what to say. But the church holds our hand to guide us in this rich, ancient prayer. To help us to build and strengthen the muscle and virtue of gratitude. You know what? You already have that virtue. To express the virtue of gratitude. The last part of the prayer. Those things, God, those things, God, that you label as good and profitable, not me. I have my own definition of what's good and profitable. And if history serves me right, The last time I determined what is good and profitable ended up not being good and profitable for me. So not my own definition, what you determine as being good and profitable. Do provide for us. Not my own label. You label what's good and profitable. Even though I don't understand it, even though I hate it, even though I could not understand a single thing of what you're doing, God. You have already determined what is good and profitable because you are the beneficent one. You provide for us. Those things which are good and profitable do provide for us. Because it is you, God. You have given me the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. You, God has given you the power to tread upon all serpents and scorpions and all powers of the enemy. Not literally serpents and scorpions, right? But it's, it's, it's a figure, it's, it's a manner of speech of saying any deceptive spirit or, or, or anyone who's trying to manipulate you or trying to pull you down, any struggle, any habit, any sin. You have the power within you to overcome through God's grace. It's not you alone. It's not me alone. It's through God's grace. The one who is beneficent, the one who is the good and profitable one. He is able to, and he is giving us the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Do you see yourself in the same way God sees you? He has already equipped us through his grace to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Well, depending or not depending, regardless of your worldview, you and I would love for this to be true for you and me, right? Not to be anxious for nothing, right? Right? So St. Paul lays it straight out to the Philippians. He tells them, be anxious of nothing, right? We would love for that not just to be text on a screen. We would love for that to be in our hearts, right? (coughs) Because we all have tremendous anxiety over different things about what tomorrow brings or or maybe family, you name it, right? We all have anxiety to some degree over something. And St. Paul puts in front of us, be anxious of nothing, but we need something more. Like, how do we execute on this? How do we take the next step to make this a reality? He continues, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. But wrap up your prayer with a prayer of thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. So St. Paul is encouraging us, make sure that your prayer, your request is wrapped in a spirit of gratitude. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, that peace of God, which surpasses what you and I determine as what peace is, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm not sharing anything new right? If, you, if, you, if you're a walk away from all of this is, yeah, we should be grateful. Yeah, come on. I mean, we, 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 we tell second graders we have to, be, to be grateful. But what's the application? What's the execution of how we live this out? Is it articulated? Because unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude is ingratitude. So St. Paul is even telling us with our, our void, our struggles, our issues, make your request be known to God. And God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, he will be able to fill us from within. One of the things I love so much about ancient Christianity is this beautiful continuity, right? So you can look at Jesus, you look at the disciples, you look at the disciples of the disciples, and you look at the disciples of the disciples of the disciples who are followers of Jesus, right? So you have this beautiful, beautiful, organic, unbroken, you know, beautiful chain. So I, I love that. Uh, I, 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 that's, why I'm, that's why I love orthodoxy. I want to share with you the words of a disciple of St. John. St. John was a first eyewitness of Jesus, a very young man who was, a first, who was a first eyewitness who wrote the Gospel of John, right? So a disciple of St. John, his name is St. Ignatius, St. Ignatius. He also has another disciple that meant St. Polycarpus, but that, that, we'll talk about St. Ignatius right now. I want to share with you the words of St. Ignatius. He said this, in the year, uh, I think 195, 195 A.D. This is what he had to say. Sorry, 110 A.D., 110 A.D., all right? So we're, we're talking about, like, two generations, three, four generations after Jesus. St. Ignatius says this. Take heed often to come together to give thanks. Take heed often to come together to give thanks. So again, a spirit of, of, of communal. Let us come together to give thanks. You know what the Greek word is for us to come together to give thanks? Is the Eucharist. The Greek word is eucharistia. That's the formal Greek term. That's the divine liturgy. So in the year 110 A.D., the centerpiece of Jesus' followers was not a sermon. Was not Sunday school. Was coming together to celebrate the Eucharist. Let, Take heed often to come together to give thanks. And that's what the word Eucharist means. So when we're coming to celebrate the liturgy, it's us offering thanks. It's putting our gratitude into action, into words, into worship. Let us come together to give thanks to God and to show forth his praise. It's active. It's dynamic. For when you assemble frequently in the same place, the powers of Satan are destroyed. And the destruction at which he aims is prevented by how? The unity of your faith. There is power. We're creatures of habit. There's power when I predetermine this is where I'm going to be next Sunday. There's power when we come together to give praise to God. And I'm saying, I'm determining from now to be at church by 9 a.m. I'm predetermining that when we're in the same place, assemble frequently in the same place. Yes, in communal prayer and in personal prayer. That rhythmic daily habit and weekly habit of life, this is where we're able to find God's peace in a new way. He continues. Nothing, nothing is more precious than peace, right? Nothing is more precious than peace by which all war in heaven and earth is brought to an end. Gratitude gives birth to unity. Gratitude also gives birth to generosity. The most generous people you know are those who are beyond grateful for what God has been doing or is doing in their lives. And I know those are virtues you want. You want unity in your family, in your marriage, with coworkers, with extended family. You desire that. But it might require, yes, gratitude. You already have that but it might require expressed gratitude. And for us, not to only express it, not for it to be a head thing, but to be a heart thing. There is more to life. If we live and breathe a spirit of gratitude to the beneficent one, and if we come to God and give thanks to the beneficent and merciful God, the Father of our Lord, if we live that out, I promise you, you will experience and see God in a new, full way in your life. You will find healing in relationships. You will find peace externally and find peace internally. You will be able to live a more generous life of contentment if we express, not just have gratitude, but live and express and articulate that gratitude to one another. So my last challenge I have for you this weekend, do not go to bed tonight. Without calling, texting, or telling someone in person. Not just a thanks, not just a thumbs up, not just an emoji. But an expressed, full, elaborate expression of gratitude. Let's make that happen. Because you wouldn't like it if I just say, thanks. No. You're looking for something more, fuller. So let's live that out and put that into practice from today. Let's stand together and pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, we give thanks to you, you, the Beneficent One, you, being the Father of our Lord, for you have covered us, you have helped us, you have supported us, and Lord, you have brought us to this hour. And we thank you for everything, concerning everything and in everything. Lord, you are the one who always gives us those things which are good and profitable. You have also promised us, and you have given us the power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Lord, you have always accepted us and will always accept us. But Lord, within us, the selfish part of us, the prideful part of us, the consumeristic mentality part of us, Lord, we desire to suppress that and for us to be overwhelmed with a spirit of gratitude for your love toward us. Because, Lord, we know that when we apply this virtue and when we offer thanks to you, Lord, this is where we're able to abide in you and in a new and intimate and real way in our lives. And through the intercession of St. Mary and through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying,